Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. We welcome anyone listening online this morning or live or download. We welcome you to King's Daniel chapter 6. And we're starting in, in verse 1. Now I'm going to read quite a lot of text this morning, so please bear with me. But I believe that we need to hear this whole story. It's a very, very familiar story of Daniel in the lion's den. I heard it many times when I was in Sunday school. But we're going to read this story. I'm speaking from the NIV version. And it says this, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. Your Majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, Your Majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel Daniel, and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. 
A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? They have not hurt me because I was found innocent. Sorry, Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all of their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and the peoples of every language in all of the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Hallelujah. That's the best decree I think he wrote in those, those days. The best decree he wrote there, isn't it? But I just want to talk to you this morning about this story. Maybe you know the story quite well. I remember it when I was at Sunday school growing up and many people told me this story. My granddad, my lots of different people telling me the story of Daniel and the Lions. Then I've even got books at home, even when I was a child, showing these pictures. And sometimes we can read, I think, these stories and almost treat them like they're some uh, fairy tale. They never happened. But I, I believe that the, God, the, the Word of God is, is spoken to us today is truth. Timothy says that it's God-breathed. Everything we read, I believe, happened. And this story is there for, to tell us something today and to encourage us in our walk with God. I want to just explain that Daniel, you've got to picture this, that Daniel is an exile. Is, he's at the top of his game. He's doing really well in life. He's served uh, under Nebuchadnezzar and he's been the top guy for interpreting the dreams for Nebuchadnezzar. He gets him in and he doesn't always like Nebuchadnezzar, probably what Daniel has to say, but he's the one who brings these dreams. You know, he's at the top of his game. And then after Nebuchadnezzar, we see uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar. He becomes into the story where we see the writing on the wall story, where, where Daniel comes and they bring him in. He's got a good track record, great track record of, of interpreted, interpreting dreams. They bring him in and for Belshazzar, he interprets what's on the, the writing on the wall. And again, he's, he's at the top of his game because he moves up again. He moves from Belshazzar and now he's under King Darius because he's been promoted. And it says at the beginning of this passage that Daniel was ready for promotion. He was going to get some even greater promotions. Things were going well for him. But his future was also under threat. So at the same time as things were great, there was also this sideline to this in this story that his future was actually under threat. And I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe for you, you feel that life's been good, then all of a sudden something happens and you think everything's going great, but then there's a sense in your future also feels under threat. Daniel's faith was also under threat as well in this story. 
because we see as well that when he comes, when the pressure's on, when the heat's on, when everything's coming against him, his faith is tested as well. And his faith is tested to see, will he continue to pray? Will he continue to serve his God and pray in the same way he did before? Maybe your faith is under threat today. Maybe you feel that you, the circumstances in life that are coming against you, it's under threat. But finally, the other thing that was under threat, not only his future, not only his future of what he could do and the promotions that were coming around him were under threat, not only his faith was under threat, but his life, his actual very life. Now, I don't know whether you've been under threat to that degree when you go to work on, on, on Monday morning and you meet your boss and, you know, you think that life's bad, but I'm not sure whether your life's under threat. Some people around the world today, their lives are under threat. They are suffering persecution because of the gospel. And we don't fully understand probably sometimes what it means to be under persecution. But let me tell you, there is someone right now in this world who has been persecuted for their faith. And their life is under threat. So we see these three things that, that Daniel is going through in this story. I don't know this morning what lion you're facing. But I'll tell you the ultimate in this story. And I'll tell you what, I'd be pretty scared if I fell into a lion's den. But I don't, I don't know this morning whether you are facing any lions yourself. But I'll tell you what, when he dropped into that den and he looked and stared at the face of the lion, I'm not sure how he felt immediately. But I'll tell you, we'd be fearful, wouldn't we? It'd be a scary thing to happen. And for some of us today, we're not, in no, we're not in any lion's den, but for some of us, our lives feel like we've gone from one thing completely to the other in a matter of, of days, weeks, and you think, what on earth is happening in my life? Why is it I find I'm now not only in this dark place or this place of where I can't see what God's doing in my life, I don't understand it, but I'm also staring at a lion. Something that's intimidating me every single day. I want to ask you today, what is that lion for you? In 1 Peter 5 verse 6, Peter says this. He says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. Many of us sometimes give a lot of attribute to the devil being the lion. He says that he's like a lion. He's not a lion. But he says he's like a lion. But many of us sometimes, we give, we give lots of emphasis on the enemy. The enemy's coming, he's doing this. I really feel like a big attack. But I want to remind you this morning, Revelation chapter 5, it talks about Jesus not only being the lamb that came to, sac- to be sacrificed for the sins of the world, but he was the lion of the tribe of Judah. There is a greater lion that's with you when you give your life to Jesus that's greater than any lion in your life. Many of us see Jesus and it's right. He is the suffering servant that was prophesied of in Isaiah. He is that suffering servant. He is a lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. But because of what he did on the cross, he became the lion of the tribe of Judah. He became a lion that can also fight. He is a lion like lamb. You don't get many of them around today. But he is everything, isn't he? Our God and our Savior. And I want to ask you this morning, maybe you're saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't face this lion. I don't know what those lines are for you. They may not be threatening your life, but they may be threatening some area of your life. For someone here today, it may be illness. It may be something like that.
The key is this. What are you going to do when this happens? Because the journey of faith is always going to bring these kind of things in. The title of my message this morning is Make or Break. Make or Break. What are you going to do with your life when these things happen? How do we respond to these kind of things? Because I love, many of us, we'd love to be Daniel. We'd love to be Paul in the Bible. We say, oh, I wish I could live in the Bible in those days and be these types of people and the things they experienced. Do you know what? The Bible talks about that the things that we're seeing now, the people of long ago long to see. And so many of us look to the past saying, I want to be like they were. And I don't know if you want to be like Daniel. Do you really want to be in those situations what he was in? Do you really want to be in the situations King David was in? A man after God's own heart, but yet he's pursued by Saul and he's scared for his own life. Do you really want to be these people? And the question is this, if you do, you've got to get used to it in your own life today. Because you may not be chased by Saul, you may not be chased by someone like we see in the Bible that people were fearful of. You may not be in a lion's den, but you've got to go to work tomorrow and there's some problems at work. You've got to go in tomorrow and when you get in and you sit down at your computer or you go and pick up whatever you're going to do and do your work and your job, next minute, within five minutes, you know the lion's going to appear. Some people know that is as well, that person. They've got a lion that comes and they think, I can't take this anymore. I want to ask you today, what you're going to do when you get these things? Because Daniel, although he was a great man of God and there's some great picture stories for Sunday school, he went through it. And so do we. So we've got to know how do we respond to these things so that we don't break, but we make something of the situation and make something of our lives. The first thing today I want to bring out of this story is that I believe that we really need to grasp these things when these challenges come. Is the first thing that I believe that Daniel does, he guards his foundation. He guards what is actually the thing that needs to be guarded. You see, when the enemy comes and he brings uh, us to feel that we're intimidated by such things, what he's trying to do is knock our faith and knock our relationship with God so that we don't trust in God anymore. And Daniel finds himself, I just find it interesting that King Darius is talking about, he says that he had this great promotional plan for him. He says that he he actually was going to do some great things for him. He's going to... allow him to do even more in his kingdom and rule in his kingdom. So around Daniel at that time, there were some great prospects. Life was good. But amongst that, he also had a relationship with God. What do I mean by that? Daniel, it says this, had an excellent spirit, the King James Version says. We read earlier, it says in the NIV, excellent qualities. So it says this, that Daniel, in verse 3, it says, distinguished himself above the governors. So now we see Daniel, he's getting these promotions, he's getting these great things, but for there's a key reason here. Because he distinguished himself, because an excellent spirit was within him. What do I mean by that? I mean this. You can be around peers in your work. I used to work with lots of people who were trying to get up the ladder all the time and people trying to achieve the next promotion, trying to get higher up, and everyone's comparing, uh, you know, what, what, how high can we get up in this ladder, in this corporate industry? 
But ultimately, the key is this, that Daniel was getting higher, not just because of uh, practical things he could do. It's because of his excellent spirit that was within him, his excellent qualities. And it was his relationship to God that allowed him to move up the ladder. But it wasn't the ladder or the promotions that were his foundation. Ultimately, his relationship with God allowed him to go higher, but it wasn't the promotions that were the foundation. The danger is this today, is that we can put all of the things around us in our lives, if things are going good for you, promotions, you've just got another wage increase, you've just, things are going good for you, you've just got the house you wanted, God's blessing me, oh, I love it under the blessing of the Lord. All these things are going fantastic for you, but if everything was pulled away in an instant, is it really your foundation? Is it really the thing that's going to keep you strengthened? In the face of adversity, when adversity comes, when difficulties come, when you're facing your lion, the key is this, that you should have an excellent spirit. Your foundation should be in your relationship with God. You should never let other things replace that. You know Daniel's spirit and his conduct, I can imagine him, the way he conducted himself, the way he was in his work situation. These things were all the time speaking powerfully into the lives of these people. And do you know what? The enemy does not like that. That's why you'll notice this, that it always attracts opposition. When we are favored by God, when we trust God, it attracts opposition. Every time opposition comes, it's attracted. The enemy wants to attack us for the devil prowls around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. It attracts opposition. And Daniel has this great promotional plan. When I was in my old job, we used to have what was called uh, objective setting. As anyone know what that kind of thing is? So you, you get your objectives each year and they would, they, you'd put them on a piece of paper and I'd meet with my boss every year in January and we would go through object, what I fulfilled in the last year and then what I'm going to do in the next year. I used to hate these sessions. The problem was for a whole year I had my objectives list in my top drawer and it, get, it was scrunched up. There was bits of sandwich on it from when I had my lunch. I would just keep it, you see, it'd always be fresh after my, after my review and I think I'm going to do this. I am going to fulfill these objectives so I can fulfill the promotion. But yet I get to the end of the year and I come around and I think, where's that piece of paper? And I'd look and within three, the last three weeks I was trying to fulfill all my objectives in three weeks. I was trying to do everything because I knew I'd not fully done everything in the year. I'd been busy with other things. I'm, oh, I need to do this, this, and this. And I'd go into these objective settings. And the thing is, my boss used to say this, if you can do this, if you achieve this, this, and this, we can get you your promotion. You've got to do these things first. There's some steps to get in your promotion. And Daniel was promised. He was given this sense of the whole kingdom. He's got this opportunity to have all these things. But yet, it was his trusting God, his relationship, his excellent qualities that he was more based upon in his life. And I want to encourage you today that we need to watch that our blessings in our life that are from God are not the foundation. People love blessings. We love them. There's a song, and I've sung it here plenty of times before, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. But the problem is this, that some of us 
don't count our blessings, we count on our blessings. We don't count them. We don't look and say, God, I thank you for my relationship and I count these blessings that you're giving me and I see your favor upon my life because of my relationship with you. But actually some of us get into the trap and the enemy wants us there where we count on our blessings so that when they're gone, when they're pulled from underneath our feet, just like Job was attacked, we look and say, God, what is going on? You are not one who does these kind of things to me. You're a blessing, God. And Daniel right there was seeing full promotion plan. He was seeing, here's your objectives, Daniel. Do these kind of stuff. Stick with me, son, and I'll get you to the top. And he could have easily thought, you know what? I'm just going to please the king. I'm going to do everything because this is what life's about. But it was his excellent qualities. It says they couldn't find anything wrong in him. I want to encourage you today that you need to guard your foundation because the enemy, like a lion, is coming to rob that from you. He's coming to say to you, don't trust in yourself. Just look at the things around you. Why would God pull these things away from you? If he's a loving God, why would he allow these things to be taken from you? He wouldn't want you to be feeling like that. He wouldn't want you to not have these things. Don't trust him. But you can see from Daniel that he trusted. Listen to me. What holds you in life together today? You've got to understand what's holding you together. Because we're just a, we're just a, a bunch of cells kept together, aren't we? We're just a bunch of cells that one day all this thing is going to be fade away. But the thing that remains and stands forever is his word. You know, we might be a bunch of cells. My cells are getting a little bit older every day and I feel a little bit tighter every day. That's age. I'm coming up to 40th. I'll be coming soon. I'm nearly seeing it soon. I remember when I celebrated my mum and dad's 40th, I thought, wow, that's old. Isn't it? Life goes quick. We're just a bunch of cells stuck together. But do you know who holds all these cells together? I want to ask you today, do you know the one who holds you together? It is Jesus Christ himself. Colossians 1 verse 17 says this, Jesus is before all things. (laughs) Hallelujah. And in him, all things are held together. Whew. In other words, he says Jesus is before creation. He is before everything. He is before he is the I am. And he brings everything together. All of ourselves. The reason why you're sat in your seat today, you're wearing your Sunday best. The reason you can come to church today and you can sing songs and you can feel like you've got it all together is because Jesus holds all things together. Next time you want to thank God, thank God that you're stuck together. Araldite glue is good, super glue is good, but there's nothing better than Jesus. There's nothing better. My dad used to say to me when I was young, I used to break things in the house. He used to have some glue called Araldite. He said, don't get super glue, get this. And those two substances he'd mix together. And the strength of this stuff, if you stuck it to your fingers, the, your fingers would stick together literally. Listen to me, the strongest glue is not as good as Jesus. He brings everything together. If you don't know Jesus today as your own personal savior, you are missing out on the one who was before all things and he's actually keeping you together and ticking along. 
We have to understand this, and that's what Daniel understood. Daniel understands, my God, my God in heaven is the one who holds me together. So even though they're saying you're going to get all these promotions, you're going to do really well, I'm not going to treat my relationship to God on blessing. I'm going to treat my relationship to God and my foundation on relationship, because he's the one who holds me together. Because if everything's pulled away, I have something left, and that is God. Matthew chapter 7 talks about Jesus speaks to, uh, gives a parable about building our lives on the rock. It was in one of the songs this morning. But it's talking about building our lives on the rock. Jesus wants us to build our lives on the rock. Because it says in the parable, when the storm comes, when the rain comes and the flood comes, where is your relationship? If it falls, it was built on sand. Do you know in Matthew chapter 7, he wasn't speaking to non-Christians. Jesus was speaking to the ones who were believers. He says, it's, it's by obeying my word. That's how you build on the rock. By, by obeying his word. So he's saying, listen guys, just like we read in James, we can look in the mirror, forget the word and don't act on it. He says, the way you can strengthen foundation in me is to obey my word. That's how you do it. We need to build our lives on the rock. We need to cling to the rock that is higher than us. Some of us, we look at the rock sometimes and think, I just can't do this. I'm just going to try and keep everything together myself. But we need to cling to the rock that is higher than I. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this. Paul says, no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, who is Jesus Christ. In other words... You can't lay any stronger foundation than Jesus who holds all things together. He is the one. So listen to me this morning. Whatever discouragement you're going through, whether it looks like your job's on the line, whether it looks like things are about to be robbed from you, whether it looks like everything's going down the drain, whether it looks like, why has this happened to me because I'm a Christian and these things can't happen to Christians? They don't. Listen, they do. They do happen. And they will, and we need to be ready for them. Daniel's enemies couldn't find fault in him, it says, because of his excellent spirit. And it says this, the satraps or the governors tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. Listen to me, our integrity in our workplaces is a powerful weapon. Our integrity, some of us stick these things aside. Oh, no, I'm not interested in integrity. I want to go into work tomorrow and speak in tongues, and I want to go in and look like the most spiritual person. Listen, integrity is just as key. We need to be integral. I can't speak this morning. Integral in our relationship with God, but we need to continue consistently in everything we do so that when we're amongst our peers, they're seeing us consistently. If they see this, they will not find fault against you. They'll try to find it. But God is encouraging us, I believe, because Satan wants us to start breaking this. I remember when I was used to, used to be in my job and my old job and I used to work and, away and, and sometimes I'd do things and I'd say a word, I'd say something to someone and I'd hurt them probably. And I think, I cannot believe I have just done that. I can't believe I have just, it almost felt like I'd ruined years of witnessing. 
The enemy had got me to fall into a trap of maybe gossip or saying some one thing. And then you think, I cannot believe I have just said that to that person. Even if you beg their forgiveness, you thought, I've still ruined it. You know, sometimes our sin, we can get forgiveness, but we still ruin things. And some of us need to be, God is asking us today, be like Daniel was. However bad it gets, keep your integrity so that people look at you and they cannot find fault. Number one, we need to guard that foundation, the true foundation. Number two today is this. We need to maintain our devotion. Maintain our devotion. Daniel's work colleagues, they set up this trap. These are supposed to be his best friends, by the way. These are the ones who are working with him. And now they set up a trap with the king to make sure that he can't pray to his God. And so they set up this trap to stop him from doing what he wants to do in his faith. His faith now is under threat. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. We don't go under so much persecution in this country where we can't pray. Thank God today, you want to thank God, you can come here and sing the songs we've sung. Because there are some places today are hiding in caves doing this. Right now, hiding away because they would be attacked, their life would be under threat. We're so thankful today. We can come into a nice carpeted church. We can sing praises to God. Listen, if you went on a visit to some places, you'd come back here, you'd be so thankful for what we have. You would be counting the blessings, I tell you. So we're thankful this morning of that. But do you know what? When these attacks come and Daniel receives these attacks, he's called now to maintain that devotion. To stay devoted to his God. You see, the problem is this, some of us, when fear comes, when the attacks come and the lions come, your colleagues who you thought were your best friends, (laughs) I'll tell you, there's some people in my life at the moment that I've come to realize I thought they were friends to me and they're not. Just in the recent weeks, they have failed me big time. People who are not Christians, they're not giving their life to Jesus, and I thought they loved me and they failed me. Now I forgive them. But I can't believe what's happened. Now I'm just going to say, I just trust God. I thank, I thank God I've got Jesus. <sighs> I just so do. Listen to me. Friends are good, but friends will fail you. People will always let you down. Jesus never does. People do. Don't, don't let people spoil your relationship with God. Because people do let us down. But they come and they're like his, they're like his colleagues. They're, they're together. They're working with him. Then all of a sudden... They're going behind the scenes and trying to plot his demise. They're saying, let's go and see King Darius. If we can stop him from praying, we can do this. We'll get him into trouble. We'll get him in the lion's den. Can you see the enemy at work? And the king, as we see, King Darius doesn't really want to do this. He's pushed along and forced along to make these decrees and edicts. And they even say, oh, you know, king live forever. They're trying to be friends to the king. They're trying to get what they want, manipulation. And you'll find this many people who you seem to be your friends manipulate. But listen to me today. You need to maintain your devotion despite when everyone is coming against you. And it looks like the people who you thought were your friends are attacking you. You think, I can't pray anymore. Some of the things that's happened recently in my life have caused me so much that I can't pray sometimes. Because of the pain of what people have done. And it's hard to pray. But I'm here to say this morning that we've got to stand up and pray despite how we feel, whatever anyone's saying against us. 
We cannot let people's threats or people's attitudes towards us affect us in our prayer life. God wants us to be bigger than that. Amen. We read earlier that Daniel, in Daniel 6 verse 10, he says this. Daniel learned that the decree had been published. He got the news. It came through on Facebook. Uh Uh-oh, I can't pray. There is a new law coming to place. Listen, this, these kind of things could come in in the future for us. So we have to be ready for this kind of stuff. But he receives this post. Oh, I can't pray anymore, they say. Otherwise, this is the result, what happens. But I love this because it says he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. In other words, first of all, he doesn't just pray once. He prays three times. Some of us, we get on our knees, we pray for a situation that we're in, and we give up and say, I'm going to wait for God to sort it out now. If he's big and he's God, he will do this because I've already asked him. He doesn't need me to say it again. In fact, we'll probably use the scriptures like, you know, Jesus doesn't want us to babble on like pagans. So I'm not going to keep repeating myself. I'm going to, I've said it once, he's heard me. I'm not going to say it again. But Jesus wants us to persist in prayer. To keep on praying. There are some people facing lions today in their life. Situations, difficulties, financial ruin, marriage breakdowns, lots of different things that can come your way. And you said, I've, I've given it to God and that's it. But Jesus is saying to us today, I want you to persist because I want to see you get to your knees and show me how much does it mean to you? How much does this really mean to you? Don't just ask, persist. He says that he, div- he, he, he got down on his knees three times a day. But the other thing it says is this, that he did it just as he did before. In other words, circumstances didn't change the frequency. Circumstances didn't change the frequency of his prayer life. And sometimes this is what the enemy wants from us. He gets us into a place where we say, well, I do pray. I have given it to God, but he wants us in a place where we don't persist, where we do just give it as a one-off, send a one-off text to God, wait for the reply. He gets us into that place where we don't, we're not persistent because to get into prayer and to get on our knees sometimes, we have to go through this painful stage of, I can't pray for this because I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if I can because the thoughts flood my mind of everything that's going wrong in my life. I can't even concentrate on praying. Have you ever had that? Every day. We get on our knees, you know, we're just, we're just hoping that the phone rings sometimes just so that we can get out of prayer. Because we're so, we're so worried about praying to God and bringing these things because they're so overwhelming for us. Listen, I've had it. I've been praying sometimes. I'm so overwhelmed by some of the stuff, I can't wait for a text to come through just to break me off. It shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't be like that. We should get past that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Get concentrated on God. Focus on Him so that we can pray and we get past it. But the flesh always will fail at the beginning. Look at Jesus when He goes to disciples. He says, keep praying in the garden. They were tired. He knew their flesh was weak. 
You've got to get past the flesh and get into the spirit. That is why you need the Holy Spirit. So I found that I get these times and it's challenging when I'm on my knees and I'm thinking I just need something to interrupt because I'm finding this hard. Things are going through my mind, but I keep persisting and I keep persisting until I get to a point where I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave his presence. I don't want to leave where I am. In fact, he's completely reversed around now and that's where the enemy doesn't want you to get. Where you get to position where you don't want to leave. In fact, if the phone rings, you want to throw it out the window. I'm... I'm not embarrassed to tell you I have problems praying sometimes like that. Because we all do. We all do. But I've got to encourage you to get past it. To get past by the Spirit of God. So you have a strength that does not come from you. It comes from His Spirit. Hallelujah. He he never changed. He says he did just as he did before. Three times a day. Carries on going. He thought, listen, I've seen the result. You could get thrown into the lion's den for doing this. But I'm not. I'm going to persist. I'm going to keep bringing this to God. And I'm going to keep bringing it and bringing it. And I'm going to do it the same as I did before. Nothing is going to change me or shift my relationship. Because I have a foundation in God and a relationship with him that cannot be moved. That's why he can do it. Colossians 2, verse 46, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. In other words, devote yourselves, give yourself to prayer, but also watch what, the, what happens and thank God when it does. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you know what some of us do sometimes? I don't know if you've done this, but a few not long back I had something where I was a little bit concerned about my own health, and then you start what's the first thing that we do sometimes? We don't get on our knees. We Google it. Google is getting more and more powerful. The algorithms in Google, should I say, the, the things, the technology, the engine behind Google is so powerful these days that you know it seems to give the result before you've even typed it. You put in what you want to find out and it's told you what you already want to know. Then you find that a few days later, everything's coming up on every website that you've looked at that's trying to sell you these things. Because the algorithms are so clever. And do you know some of us, are? everyone I ever speak to, especially younger generation, they say, have you Googled it? Have you Googled this? Have you Googled that? Just Google it. And then someone says, How do we, where's the local McDonald's? Where do we find? Just Google it. Do you know what? Google is so relied upon, it is like a God. It is like a God to some people because they trust Google. You know, I'm not going to go to anyone. Whatever Google presents back to me, if it's in the top 10, they're the best top 10 because they say so. And some of us are like this in our lives. Illnesses come and we go on and we search on Google, uh, you know, feelings of impending doom. Or that's the symptom when you've put in anxiety. Then you think, it's getting worse. And you go on a route and a journey through Google that takes you down a path that you find yourself worse than what you were before. Because they've told you the outcome. I've, t- I've had it before. Palpitations in the night, I type it in the next day. And it tells me that, you know, feelings of impending doom, don't worry. And I've had these things. This is no disrespect to people who get them because I've had my own suffering with things like in the past with panic attacks and stuff with stress when things got hard and difficult and challenging 
I'll never forget, you know, I've had to phone the ambulance to come in fear because things get to our minds. But listen, we can't always trust Google. We need to pray and give ourselves to prayer and devote ourselves to God. I think God's looking sometimes thinking, stop looking at the machine, stop looking at your phone and get on your knees. Get on your knees. Some of us need to get back into that place of prayer. Amen. I put here, don't let your position defeat your devotion. Don't let your position defeat your devotion. Because some of us do that sometimes. Our position, our circumstances defeat our devotion. And when our devotion is defeated, our relationship is broken with God. We cannot connect with Him the same. Therefore, our foundation is on its way out. It's crumbling. It's becoming like sand. Then when the rain comes, the storm comes, it washes away. Abraham Lincoln, the former 16th US president, said this once. I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that all about me seemed insufficient for that day. In other words, sometimes when you've got nothing left, there's nowhere else to go. Even Google doesn't even give you the answers. Get on your knees. Don't let your devotion be defeated by your circumstances that are happening. Finally, the third thing is that if we do these things, we can change a situation. Number three is we change a situation. He says this, Daniel 6 verse 17, A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles. And listen to this. Imagine this, right? The king comes in. He can't, he's been forced into this situation. He comes in with the ring. Sounds like something off Lord of the Rings. He comes in with the ring to seal it and to seal that tomb, that place where they put him in this den. But it says this, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. In other words, the seal of the ring meant that that was it. I've given a decree. I've given this edict to say this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to go to the lion's den. But by sealing it with his ring amongst his peers who he thought were his friends, all sealing it together, this is it. This is the end. It cannot be changed. That's it. It's got the king's seal. There's no way. It's impossible. And some of you today have said, I've been through circumstances. I've been in situations. I am in them. But actually for me, Phil, I'm sorry, but I am now in a situation that is absolutely impossible. It cannot be changed because that is it. It is final. My life is under threat, some of you are saying. Maybe you've got an illness, terminal illness. Maybe you're suffering today. The seal has been given to you by the hospital and said, this is it. This is the end. The message version says this. It didn't say that Daniel's, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. The message version says the king fixed Daniel's fate. He fixed his fate. It was a final move. It was a final thing. But I'll tell you what happens here, what we see. If you see in this story, the king, King Darius, 
throughout it all, seems as though he's friends with Daniel. He's got a promotional plan for him. He's been forced into this situation. But let me tell you what the difference is between Daniel and King Darius. King Darius says this in verse 16. Daniel, when he's thrown him in, he's done the seal, he shouts a final little line to him. And he says, may your God, say your, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Now see the difference. King Darius has some feeling inside that God might be able to save him. Daniel knows God can save him. There's a difference. The king lives by fate. Daniel lives by faith. The king lives by fate. Daniel lives by faith. You will read Darius' story and you'd get confused sometimes to thinking he's a believer in God and he loves God. But he isn't. Because he's saying here, he's kind of thinking, I hope he does. And he says, Daniel, when you're in this situation, may your God, not mine, your God, whom you serve, not I serve, continually, continually rescue you. In other words, Darius is saying, I just hope his God can help him. I know, you know, I've heard some of the stories in the past. I've heard about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into the fiery furnace, and they got out, and there was, a, there was someone in there. I've heard these stories through the past that have been written on the wall, or on Twitter. I've read all these things. I just hope he can be saved. Daniel, I just pray that your God will help you, you serve. Because he lives by fit. He's living by the hope. Fit is like kind of saying, I just hope things happen. Many of you know the song, Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. Some of us live our Christian life singing the Que sera, sera song. We sing it throughout our lives of whatever will be. I've given my one prayer to God and I'm going to just see what he does. Que sera. But it's not Que sera. Because we should pray persistently, not give it to him once and just wait in fate. But there is a difference between faith and fate. Let me tell you, the reason why I'm telling you this is because in this story, we can see Daniel has faith. The king has fate. But I'll tell you what the enemy wants to do. He wants to replace your faith with fate. He wants us to get more like Darius. So we rely on the what's just going to happen. That kind of attitude towards life. But faith is this. It's submitting to God in his control. Now, I want to just show you something. Because Daniel, before this, has had the promotion plan. Everything started to go wrong. Now he's been on his knees praying. And he's saying, why is everything still going wrong? The day that he gets shoved into this den, you'd think he'd say to himself and everyone else, That's it. God doesn't answer prayer. I've prayed three times a day persistently, just like I know my God wants me to, because I believe in the foundation that I have in him. But I am here now. It's been sealed. Lions eat people, and I'm facing one. This is it. But do you know what? He didn't. Because I'll tell you why. I believe Daniel, when he landed into that den, and he dropped down into that den, Now was the time for his prayers to be answered. 
Now was the time for his prayers to strengthen his faith so much that he had a relationship with God that he knew that whatever was facing him, it didn't matter how fierce it looked. No matter how fierce the eyes were of that lion, he looked straight into his eyes and he knew every prayer he'd prayed on his knees. Now the Spirit of God would come upon him and strengthen him to stare back at the lion. You see, many people... King Darius would have looked and put the stone across and thought, I can't see inside there now. I can only shout. I've got no idea whether he's been gobbled up or what's happened. Let me just show you what happens when you live life by fit. You don't get the peace that God intends in these situations. That's what happens. And that's what happens in some of our lives. We're saying, I'm praying and I still feel a little bit fearful and I still feel uh, there's no peace coming and I'm praying. It's because sometimes we just trust in that God's going to do whatever he wants to do. It's Kesarah. But look at this. In Daniel 6 verse 18, he says this about King Darius who lived by fit. He says, the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he couldn't sleep. In other words... This shows that the king, under fate, just hoping for the best in life, throwing it over and saying, Daniel, I hope your God rescues you. He can't eat and he can't enjoy entertainment and he can't even sleep. Some of us today are like that. In our prayer lives, we just hand it to God and we allow fear. We allow intimidation to rob us of our peace and we can't even enjoy life. You can't enjoy entertainment. You even go off your food. You can't eat because you're thinking about these things. And that's what King Darius had. But I don't see any sign in this story of Daniel not not feeling this peace. In other words, the next day King Darius goes down and he shouts down to him. And he says, is everything okay down there? That's when he finds out everything's perfect. He discovers, wow, Man, I've been, I've been up all night. I couldn't eat a thing. I couldn't even enjoy the entertainment. You've been in here and everything's been fine. Yeah, God sent an angel. He shut the mouth of the lion. What, you mean I could have had my curry? You mean that everything's been fine? Yeah, because I prayed to my God. Because I trusted my God. I saw my deliverance right before my eyes. Even in this impossible situation. But some of us, do you know, we find that we can't pray because of fear and we can't eat sometimes. I remember uh, last year I was in summer, I was laid on a sun lounger in Greece. Just chilling. Reading my book. And I was told of Emma, strict instructions, no reading emails while you're on holiday. And I find that, I find it hard because I want to sometimes, if I need to respond to something... And I was waiting to find out the result of next door and uh, this, the whole situation with the outer court project, whether we get the doors in, the approvals from the council. I was waiting for all this. And it was actually on my mind. And this was my line I was facing. Sometimes when the guys would encourage me, they'd say, Phil, the word of God says this. I was there thinking, but yeah, but, but you know, this is what the governors, this is what the officials are saying. And sometimes I could get overwhelmed by that. Thankfully, God put people, God, godly people around me to keep encouraging me and keep saying, just keep, keep trusting God. I know it's hard, trust God. And I was sat around there and I couldn't enjoy, uh, I was thinking, I've got to read this email. And I found the email and it said that we've got opposition from people who don't want these doors in. I thought, and this is not in the church by the way, 
But this is people around here who didn't want this. And I'm thinking, all of a sudden, I didn't feel like having lunch. I didn't feel like doing anything because I didn't, I wasn't focused on God. I wasn't giving it to God and I couldn't enjoy the holiday. And I had to all, I had to get on my knees and say, God, it's out of my hands. Will you do this for us? Will you rescue us and will you allow us to have what we want? Because these things and what people have said, there are some of the things were lies. There were lies against us. And I'm saying, God, I'm going to give these things back. Well, God spoke to me through his word, responded by his spirit to me. And by the rest of the holiday, I was enjoying it. I was eating, by the way. Oh, I didn't stop eating. You know, Greek gyros kebabs. I had everything. I was enjoying it because I thought, do you know what? I'm going to trust God. And thank God, a few weeks ago, we have approval and now the doors are in. The thing is... We can get so bent on, worried about what the officials say and all these things that come against us. But I want to encourage you, don't give in. Stick with God. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And he says this, verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our relationship with God can become based on fit. It can become based on that. But I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to always give it to God. To pray to him. Then peace is transferred, it says. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. That's what King Darius didn't have. He didn't have that peace. He couldn't eat. He just hoped for the best. But if we pray just like Daniel did, when you're in the situation, I I don't know whether he was even praying. I think he was so probably buzzing of talking to the angel. He thought, you know, I did my prayer. Now I'm just seeing, I'm thanking God now. Let's have a worship time. The lion was probably singing along. Well, if if donkey's talking the Bible, the lion might start talking. Who knows what happened? King Darius doesn't know, so we don't. But listen to me. We don't know what happened there, but we know that he saw his deliverance before his eyes. And for some of you, in life now, there is a situation that has been sealed. It's like the king's ring. It's like the final say. It's like, that's it. That is it. This is who you are. This is your situation. This is your financial demise. This is it. Your marriage is breaking up. Give up. Don't have this. Everything's going wrong. The king's put his approval on it. But do you know what? God does greater things than that. He can change what kings decree. He can change a king's decree because he can change a situation. The outcome in that den was supernatural. It wasn't natural. And listen to me, we've got to start believing for supernatural outcomes and changing situations. Not thinking about what the kings and officials are saying. We've got to say, we serve a mighty God. And if he is the line of the tribe of Judah, then I am going to serve him. And I'm going to believe that he can change a situation. And it will be above and beyond me because it's supernatural. The outcome was supernatural. The reward for his faith was to see that mouth close on that lion. The result of faith, the result of his prayers, his relationship to God, his integrity, and now seeing a supernatural outcome. Do you know what the result was? It wasn't just a change of situation for him. It was a change of situation for a nation. 
I don't know if you saw that. But what he did on his knees, never changing, an excellent spirit found in the den. Now he sees this result. The king comes down. It doesn't just get him out of the den and he's back, back out again and praying in his window again. Now something happens even greater. Because the king comes and says, get this man out. And he changes the decree. He changes it. He says, this is, this is not natural. No man could be here and not be eaten by a lion. Therefore, I want people to serve not me, but I want people to serve the living God. So he changes his decree and he actually changes it against himself. Because the decree of the friends of his, his so-called friends, said change a decree so that people can only worship you. That's what the king wanted, worship for himself. But now God speaks to his heart through a miracle. And he says, listen, King Darius, you may be great, but no king can close the mouth of a lion. Therefore, change your decree. May people serve me. And King Darius changes the decree. And he says this, verse 26, what we read right at the beginning. He says, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. (laughs) From, from being in a den with a seal of approval, he now changes the decree that affects a nation. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something clearly and I'm going to finish now. But when you keep your integrity, your relationship with God and foundation, and people see your faith and believe in for the supernatural, if you have these attributes in your life as a Christian, do you know what will happen? You will change a nation. You'll change the situ- your situation, but you'll change a nation. You'll influence a nation. Because people will start to see, how can it be? How can that happen? I want to serve the God that they serve. I want some of that. But if you ch- become too much like the crowd, you join in with them, you will never see, they'll never see the difference. They'll never want what you've got. We have to be different. The salt and light... The ones who stand up for God in the face of adversity. Amen. We need to trust God in all these situations in our lives. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye